Welcome to episode 29 of the Idea Blog podcast on the Criminal Code of Canada. My name is Lisa Silver, and today we will discuss section 24 of the Criminal Code, Attempting the Impossible. In the previous podcast, we tackled the possibilities, but in this podcast, we will discuss the impossibilities. Section 24 of the Criminal Code pertains to attempts to commit an offense in an attempt to clarify what it means under our criminal law to commit an attempt of a crime. The difficulty with an attempt crime can be traced back to the essential elements of a crime and the requirement that for a crime to be committed, there must be both a prohibited act or actus reus and a criminal intent or mens rea. Thus, the Latin maxim, actus non facet reum nisi mens sit rea, which translates to, there is no guilty act without a guilty mind. Not only must these two elements be present for a crime, but they must also coincide. A good example is the entertaining 1968 United Kingdom case of Fagan and Metropolitan Police Force. It's actually one of my most favorite cases because of the facts. In this case, Fagan accidentally rolled onto a police officer's foot, but once he realized he had done so, he swore at the police officer and turned off his car. After a few agonizing moments, Fagan turned back on the car and rolled off the officer's foot. Fagan was charged and convicted of assault police at trial. Fagan tried to argue that there was no assault in law as his criminal intent or mens rea did not manifest itself until after the prohibited act or actus reus, which was rolling off the officer's foot. The House of Lords found this argument too narrow and explained that the prohibited act can be a continuing action and indeed in Fagan's case, they found that from the time Fagan rolled onto the foot and then subsequently rolled off, was one continuing transaction during which Mr. Fagan formed the criminal intent. So what does this great case narrative have to do with attempts? In the case of attempts, it becomes very difficult to know when this actus reus and the particular mens rea coincide, as the prohibited act is a subtle one and falls short of the actual criminal act. Indeed, attempts are known as incomplete or inchoate, which merely means not fully formed, crimes. There are other crimes which fall under this incomplete or unfulfilled category, such as counseling to commit a crime not committed under Section 464 and conspiracy under Section 465. The issue then is identifying when an act of attempt occurs as it is not the completed act, And yet, it is not the mere thinking of the act, as that would criminalize mere evil intentions. Thus, an attempt takes place before the completion of the intended crime, but the courts must decide at which point the attempt is complete and criminal liability will attach. Something more is required, and Section 24 instructs us on how that something more is determined in a criminal case. Section 24 has two subsections and reads as follows. 24 sub 1 reads, everyone who having an intent to commit an offense does or admits to do anything for the purpose of carrying out the intention is guilty of an attempt to commit the offense whether or not it was possible under the circumstances to commit the offense. 
Subsection 2 reads, the question whether an act or omission by a person who has an intent to commit an offense is or is not mere preparation to commit the offense and too remote to constitute an attempt to commit the offense is a question of law. Other than section 463, which we will get to much, much later, and deals with the punishment for an attempt, section 24 is the only section in the code dealing with attempts. The difficulty is that this section doesn't exactly tell us what it means to commit an attempt of an offense. This section does, however, give us some legal clues, which the courts have then used together with common law interpretations of attempts. From subsection 2 and from case law, we can say that an attempt is complete when the accused person's actions go beyond mere preparation. This usually means the next step done with the intent to commit the crime after preparation is complete. There also must be proximity and time between the act and the intention. Who decides when preparation is complete? Subsection 2 tells us that it is the trial judge who determines this issue as a question of law. Therefore, if a jury tries the matter, the trial judge will instruct the jury on this issue. Then the jury, as triers of fact, will then apply the legal principles to the facts to determine if the accused is guilty or not guilty of the attempt. Not only does the prohibited act for an attempt require specific findings based in law, but the intention required for an attempt is specific as well. The mens rea required for an attempt is the mens rea required for the completed offense. But in the case of attempt murder, the intention required is the highest level of subjective mens rea under section 229AI of the criminal code, which is the intention to kill, and is not the slightly relaxed intention under section 229AII. This principle that for an attempt murder, the intention requires this highest level of subjective mens rea is found in the case of Regina and Ancio, A-N-C-I-O, and I invite you to go to my podcast text, which I've posted on my website, www.ideablog.ca, where you can click on the link where I say the case of attempt murder, and you'll find the link to that case, Ancio, and other cases as well. And of course, links to the criminal code. I'm now going to add my own narrative to this issue by relating the circumstances of the first case I did as a lawyer. I was called to the bar in March, and within the week, I was representing a client charged with an attempt break and enter. Certainly, one can envision an attempt break and enter. For example, here are the facts from the 1986 Alberta Court of Appeal case called Gochanor, wherein a homeowner was awakened by noises at her living room door, and when she looked out the window, she saw the exterior screen was ripped open and someone was running from her residence. And that person was uh, actually, she called the police, that person had left a distinct footprint and the police found soon thereafter the accused, Gonchor, or Gonchanur, who was wearing this distinct shoe. In my client's case, the allegation was that the client, who was under the influence of alcohol at the time, was found in a fairly upscale neighborhood with a stick in his hand. The police found scratches around the lock of a front door of a nearby house. The client was discharged at the preliminary hearing, 
but as we can see from section 24.1, not on the basis of impossibility, as in it's impossible to open a locked door with a stick, but because a properly instructed jury acting reasonably could find no evidence that the client used the stick for the purpose of committing a break and enter of a residence or for the purpose of carrying out such an intention. Impossibility is therefore not a defense to an attempt and therefore one cannot argue that because the completed offense was not possible, the accused must be acquitted of the attempt to commit the impossible offense. This proposition holds true whether or not the offense was legally or factually possible. Let me wrap up this discussion of Section 24 by offering some thought-provoking examples. A pickpocket who attempts to steal from an empty pocket is still liable to be charged for an attempt theft. Although this is legally fair, according to Section 24, the question may be, is that morally correct? Is that morally right? Do you feel that, yes, someone who is trying to pickpocket somebody else should be criminally responsible, possibility of a criminal record or even jail depending on their record, um, even though there's nothing in that person's pocket. Here's some offenses in which one may not be able to be charged with an attempt, even though according to Section 24, charges are possible. It's difficult to conceive of an attempt to commit a criminal negligence under Section 219. Now this may be too simplistic of an issue and so if you actually look at the section uh, you may be able to argue that you can but really it's hard to imagine how someone can attempt to be negligent. It's also difficult to conceive an attempt to be found in a common body house according to Section 201 subsection 2 subsection A. How can someone attempt to be found somewhere? We can also apply this concept outside of the criminal code and to the quasi-criminal regulatory field. Can someone attempt to speed? Can someone attempt to commit an absolute liability offense which requires no intention at all? Or in the regulatory field, can the defense argue that attempt charges are indeed not possible as they would be inconsistent with the spirit and purpose of those regulatory acts or pursuant to, for instance, provincial statutes, um, there's procedural acts and such. For instance, you can rely on Section 3 of the Provincial Offenses Procedure Act or for Federal Act Section 5 of the Contraventions Act, which do say that if the criminal, the criminal code applies, but if it's found to be inconsistent, then those inconsistent sections don't apply. And maybe Section 24 is one of those inconsistent sections. Although then the argument is, aren't those provincial and federal acts really for procedure as opposed to substantive issues? However, what has been made clear by case law is that someone cannot be charged with an attempt to commit an incomplete crime, such as mentioned earlier in this podcast, counseling to commit a crime not completed, or a conspiracy. So the bottom line is that depending on what your charge is, hmm, it may be that you do have a defense to the impossible. Thank you, and join me again for my next episode, which will be episode 30.